everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions with your friends and with your family. My name is Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I'm David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego. And I'm Christian Gillette, and I'm the Canon for Evangelism and Discipleship for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today, Christian. We're thrilled to have you. It is my pleasure. Well, and so the way we like to start the podcast with our guests is by asking them about their ministry context. And David and I are both very excited, particularly about your ministry context, because we both get to work with you now. Yeah. So could you talk a little bit about it? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I'm super excited about being here and about this position, because I get to focus on two things that I'm very passionate about, and that is discipleship and evangelism. Um, and primarily what I what I am going to be doing, as I understand being on just week four of this position, um, is really working with all of the congregations in the diocese and helping them to uh, be able to grow deeper in their walk with Christ and also to grow um, with evangelism. So how do, how do we take the good news that we've heard and experienced and bring that out to others um, and kind of finding ways to do all of that together. Yeah. 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 It's a really exciting position. It's something that Bishop Susan has created in our diocese. You yes. are the first person ever to hold this position. That's true. Um, and it says a lot about where we're going and what we're doing. Yeah. It's really exciting. I, I am super stoked about Bishop Susan's vision and to be a part of that. Um, I definitely see that God has been doing something here mm-hmm. and something new and exciting. And um, yeah, I'm really just excited to see what that is and to join in. Yeah, well, thank you. We're excited yeah. to have you on the podcast today, too. And we do recognize how exceptionally busy you are right now. Yeah. So thanks for making the time to hang out with us. Absolutely. Um, so the second question that we usually ask our guests is, is there a place that you have seen God this week that you could share with us? Yes, I've actually had uh, a crazy week, and I, I guess I keep having them. But, uh, you know, this week, just kind of at the beginning of Lent, um, and actually right, right at the beginning when, when Lent began, I, I was praying and, and asking God to help me have some, something that I can be, um, you know, there's the things we give up, but something that we, you know, add to our lives as well. So I was asking for some kind of way to do some, some very uh, personal um, you know, service or ministry to, mm-hmm. to, to somebody or, or something that I could just, I could tangibly be giving myself to. And sure enough, a couple days after Lent started, um, I found out that a distant relative of mine who I hadn't seen since she was very little um, had relocated to San Diego and found herself in a really tough situation without a place to stay, oh, wow. uh, without food, really just kind of desperate. And I was able to uh, meet her, um, really kind of invite her into my life. Uh, so my wife and I invited her to stay with us. She was with us over the weekend. We've kind of been able to help her. And uh, one of the biggest things was just kind of supporting her and where she is and letting her know that she's loved and has somebody. And in doing that, and it's still actually an ongoing thing, um, I have seen God not only in the way my wife serves her, and in the opportunities to just show love, but also the love that we have seen now come from uh, my cousin. Yeah. Which it's it's so amazing how we grow and, and see God when we're, you know, it's obviously something we're kind of giving and giving of ourselves, but what we 
receive in return um, and to really experience God in that. Um, it's been really profound. Yeah. And yeah. Well, and I think that that's one of those things about when we open ourselves up to being God's love for, for someone else, for being Christ for someone else, yeah. um, is that we get back in magnitude a greater sum of that love and that connection than we ever even consider as we're trying to put it out for someone else, right? Like when we open ourselves up, what pours in is so amazing. Exactly. Just wherever that love is, you know, God is present. Yeah. And so even though we may be giving that, but we experience it in, in that giving. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that reflection with Absolutely. us. Um, so, If you might have noticed, today on our broadcast, um, David is calling in. David, where are you this week? I am in Alexandria, Virginia, in a room on the campus of Virginia Theological Seminary, which is where I graduated from seminary in 2016. (laughs) So you're kicking it around the the home school. Yeah, that's right. Going to the library, <laughs> going to the refectory, going to chapel. Very yeah, nice. I went to morning prayer, Eucharist, and then evening prayer. And it was just so exciting. So exciting <laughs> for me. I didn't do that when I was a student here. <laughs> yeah, that's the first time I've ever done it. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm here, I'm here because tonight, in a, a few hours, I'm doing a, an event uh, to talk about my book, Oh. Um, the dean of the seminary here invited me, and it's like a it's like an event at his house with some students and faculty and stuff. So, cool. That's really cool. Very exciting. And then, just fun. in case anybody is tuning in for the very first time, what is your book? The book is called uh, "The Beautiful Letdown: An Addict's Theology of Addiction," and it's kind of my own story of addiction and then uh, my own reflections, kind of theologically and scripturally, about it and different ways to think about addiction in our theological context and church context. Awesome. And I think it's really neat that you are back there, not just talking about your book, but also modeling what it can look like as in the next phase of your life after you graduate, right? Like, cause it looks different for everybody. So I'm glad you're there. That's right. Right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, it's been, it's been uh, cool and weird being here. So. Yeah. As most things are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So this week, we find ourselves heading into the third week of Lent. We are, again, in our new format, which is we read the gospel for the Sunday that is coming um, instead of the gospel that has arrived. And it gives you an entire week to prepare for the gospel that you will hear in church next Sunday. So even though the Sunday that this drops is Lent 2, you are hearing the gospel for Lent 3, Um, assuming that you've already had your experience with the gospel for this week, and we encourage you to listen to these reflections and to engage with the offerings that are presented on the website so that you can discuss as a family and nurture and grow your faith. So with David away, um, I get to introduce myself to read the gospel. Um, Today is Lent 3, and we have John chapter 4, verses 5 to 42. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God 
and who it is that is saying it to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, What do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that from which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the city believed him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. All right. Wow, that is so long. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is one of a series of long Gospels that we have during yeah. Lent this year. Um, and Get I s- ready. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And David, would you like to talk a little bit about maybe what's come before or where we are in this journey? 
Sure. I mean, we heard we were in the chapter that comes right before this gospel last last week you know, in John three one through seventeen, where we heard the story of you know uh, that famous John three sixteen verse, but also about Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness and Jesus coming to save and not to condemn. And uh, so we've talked about this before in times when uh, Jesus has been in Samaria or or speaking with a Samaritan person, um, but that this is this is indicative of this kind of long-running feud between uh, people who live in Judea, the Jew, the Jewish people, and people who live in Samaria, or the Samaritans. And it is that they, they came from the same group of people. You know, before they were, they were the Israelites. They were the Hebrew people. And then uh, over a number of, because of a number of different historical occurrences, uh, they became kind of alienated from one another. You know, there was the northern and the southern kingdom of Israel and and uh, Judah, and then now this whole area that is north and west of Jerusalem and south and west of Galilee is Samaria, and these they're just alienated from one another. So the fact that Jesus is going into Samaria is significant. The fact that Jesus is talking to a woman is really significant, as the disciples point out. The fact that Jesus is talking to a Samaritan is really significant. And and it's both significant just on the face of the text, but would also would also, you know, maybe as kind of a commentary onto in in terms of like what is happening with the community from which this gospel is being written and to which this gospel is being written. That maybe there are members of this Johannine, this community of John that are that have been Samaritans or uh, that joined the community uh, uh, of these followers of Jesus later in the life of the community, and they're kind of giving a nod to Jesus's mission work in Samaria. So there's a couple of things going on here, just to know that kind of background. For sure. So in yeah. David's context that he just offered actually leads really nicely into my point, which is the first point of today, which is a line in this very long gospel that we just heard, we didn't hear the one line that kind of goes to what I want to talk about, and that is verse 4, which says that they had to go through Samaria. So before we hear the rest of this story about them traveling through Samaria and, and being at the well and asking for water and the encounter with a woman, before all of that, we hear that they had to go through Samaria. But the reality is that they didn't have to go through Samaria. They could have crossed over to the other side of the Jordan and gone up that way. Both ways are a way to get where they are going. Um, and traditionally, Jews were not big fans of Samaritans, as David just kind of referenced. This was not um, a preferred travel destination. It was not something that they normally would do. And they could, ki they could skip Samaria just by crossing to the other side of the river completely. So why? Why did they have to go through? Well, my thought process on this is that that's just Jesus being Jesus. Um, Jesus consistently reaches out to those that we don't expect. He consistently looks out for connection um, with people who are marginalized or overlooked. Um, and I think that this may, in fact, be another situation in which, that, in which that happened. And as I was reflecting on the gospel this week, I actually thought back to our last convention here at the Diocese of San Diego. And the scripture that was chosen to go along with that convention was from Acts, and it was Acts 1, verse 8. But you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea 
and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's not enough to be our witnesses in an our current context. We are expected to go beyond that. We are supposed to reach out to everybody because this good news isn't just for us. We don't get to be selfish about it. Um, We have to proclaim it everywhere there is. And so Jesus is looking for these connections. Does he know he's going to meet the woman at the well? Probably not. Does he know that he's going to encounter a Samarian? Absolutely. He's in Samaria. And he stops at this well to get water and he encounters her and they have this conversation, this conversation that shapes her um, it shapes his ministry. It shapes it shapes a whole wealth of things, this conversation. And I think that it's important to name the fact that not only is it of note that he reached out to a Samaritan for this encounter, but also that the person was a woman, because that's marginalized twice in this society. This isn't the person that he would have been in conversation with, not just because she was a Samaritan, but as a man asking a woman for a drink at the well, that probably wouldn't have happened either. Yeah, and uh, that 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 kind of that goes into my point because the thing that I really that struck me is this thing about like Jesus, the kind of incredible liberator of human spirit and the liberator of humanity and the great connector and builder of relation relationship and reconnector of relationships and reconcile. And I, I love that. Um, the thing that jumped out to me here is that the, the woman at the well here says to Jesus, after he's described this water, that is this spring of water gushing up to eternal life. She says, okay, that sounds great. Uh, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus says, go call your husband and come back. So it seems like it seems like kind of like Jesus again in John's Gospel, like we talked about last week, Jesus again is not like following the conversation thread. It's like, <laughs> well, I asked you for the water. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you know? Uh, and she's like, okay, well, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And then this develops into the rest of the conversation, and it never gets to the water. And instead, it's her, you know, proclaiming, uh, asking Jesus if he's the Messiah, and like saying, this this person, he, he come see this person who has, you know, told me everything that I have ever done. And I think that instead of what I'm realizing, what I, I think I realized in reading it is like, it's not that Jesus ignores her requests for the living water, but that the way that she gets the living water is by Jesus witnessing to her source of deepest pain and separation from her community, her source of deepest shame and fear and the place that she is suffering the most. And in doing that, liberates the spring of living water that is already in her. So that if we think about it, like, it's not Jesus that is going to supply her with the living water any more than you put water into a well. You know, you take water Mm -hmm. out of a well. Um, All you do is dig down deep enough to uncover where the water is. You know what I mean? So it's like Jesus, the way that Jesus, the way that Jesus gives her the, the 
the, the spring of water gushing up to eternal life, the living water that he's talking about, is to, like, stand with her in this very intense, acute time of, like, bearing witness to her pain and suffering and, and bearing witness to everything she's ever done, like she says, you know, to have someone love her through everything, the good, the bad, and the otherwise. And that that in and of itself is uncovers the spring that is already in her, uncovers the spring from this incredible depth that she already is and allows her, you know, to proclaim what she proclaims mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to everybody else. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So point three, though, Christian, is yours. So there's so much in here, and I'm not going to say everything I'm thinking about, but the point I want to bring up is... Um, so relevant to my job and what I'm passionate about. It's really, you know, this is a picture of evangelism happening. You know, this, this woman who, um, you know, she meets Jesus. She hears this good news. She has this amazing experience and it changes her. Something legitimately uh, profound happens within her and she doesn't just keep it to herself. Yeah. Right? What does she do? She runs back to her friends um, in her neighborhood, and she tells them about how this encounter with Jesus changed her, mm-hmm. how it restored her, how it gave her this living water, it gave her wholeness. And that's why in the, in the passage, it, she says, you know, he told me everything you know, I've ever done. And that's mm-hmm. kind of exactly what David was explaining. That encounter that was very personal yeah. um, is what changed her. So she kind of shares that. And then what do we see happen? All of these, you know, these people come back and, you know, they want to talk to Jesus and they, they want to meet him. Mm-hmm. And if that's not a picture of, of evangelism, um, really at its core, I don't know what is. And then what's really cool is at the very end, all of her friends and whoever comes back, you know, they say, you know, we believe from what you said, but now we've experienced Jesus and we are changed. So it's by that, that sharing of the good news which is what the word evangelism means. It means bringing good news, or like I, I like to say, good newsing. <laughs> you know, she good yeah. newsed her friends, and they came mm-hmm. back, and then they didn't just hear, but they experienced Jesus, and then they were changed. Yeah. So I always wonder, then what did they go out and do? Right. Um, and I'm sure it's, it's that chain reaction of, of what good news can do to an individual and then to a community, and then who knows where else that went. That whole ripple effect. Yeah. yeah. A ripple effect of joy, yes. right? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's really, yeah. It's such a... And I, go ahead. Yeah, I also, I also love it because she doesn't go back and say, oh, I found the Messiah. She, does, she doesn't go back mm. and make a bunch of like doctrinal statements about Jesus. Mm-hmm. She goes back and tells them her experience. She goes back and tells them, the personal way that she has been healed through her relationship with Jesus mm. in this story. Exactly. And so it's not about a bunch of making sure people believe the same concept that we believe, but just sharing the story and then listening to what that story elicits as well, or maybe even the reverse, listening first and then sharing, you know, but that it's not, it's not so much about going out and like telling people what, is the right thing to believe, but telling people what is the truth for me, what has been the truth in my experience, why am I 
here? Why do I want to share this? And what has it been like for me? So I love that that's her kind of approach yeah. to this. It was, it was her very, yeah, her very personal experience with Jesus. Yeah. And yeah. that's what she shares. That's right. beautiful. It is exceptionally so. And I think that that is three points. Um, the first point yeah. was mine today. And that was about the decision to go through Samaria and that continued decision, I think, for all of us of how we continue to reach out and choose that path that isn't necessarily the most popular path, um, but the path that needs to be walked. Um, the second point was David's. And in David's, he he traveled through that piece with the woman of the deep connection of the willingness to go to the well that's inside us and how Jesus offered her that connection of truly seeing and continuing to travel with her, um, naming the hard truths, but being there for the journey. And then ultimately culminated in Christian's point, which is about that, that excited telling that evangelism, that good news sharing. Wait, what did you call it? Good newsing? Good newsing. Oh, we're going to trademark that. Good newsing. Um, but yes, the, the experience that she had at the well, that personal relationship that she cultivated with Jesus there led to her wanting to go and, and tell everybody about what she had experienced herself. And with that... Um, yeah, you have two options. If you would like to hear this gospel again, you can go back to the beginning of the podcast and listen to it. Or you can also get out your Bible with your family and select a reader from around the table to read the gospel aloud. And then consider how what you heard today informs what you hear now as you read the gospel yourselves. And then go online to myfaith2go.org and check out the resources for the week, resources that you can use to continue to explore this gospel and deepen your faith with each other. And with that, I believe we are done today. The last things I want to encourage you to do is please connect with us. We want to hear from you. Please email us at faith2go at edsd.org. Any questions you have or any thoughts that come up as you're discussing the gospel at home, please check us out on Instagram, faith2go is our handle there, and you can send us a message or interact with the things we post there. And then last but not least, of course, the podcast and all of the resources that you could possibly need are on myfaith2go.org, and those resources are updated weekly. So with that news, I think it's time for us to say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.